Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Podcast Network. Let's get ready for a good show today. I got a good show today. I got a lot to talk about. We got to talk about an outstanding Russian. We're going to talk about some bad news for one of the big three, which I kind of alluded to last week. I didn't know this news was coming, but I begged the question, what's going on with the big three? Where are they? Well, we got some answers this week about one of them, and the other two seem to be headed to the U.S. Open in New York here in a couple weeks. We are so close to the New York. We are so close to the U.S. Open. We are so close to tennis with fans being back at the USTA National Tennis Center, Billie Jean King National Tennis Center, that is, in New York City, and I cannot wait until that tournament starts. But until then, we got a lot to talk about. we got to talk about a tournament in Canada that had a very impressive win by a tall Russian. We have to talk about a tournament that is going on right now in Cincinnati, Ohio, and there is one more tournament to go before the U.S. Open, and that will take place in Winston-Salem. So, Let's get right into it. Let's go back to Toronto a little bit. The National Bank Open 2021, the hashtag NBO21 on Twitter. Now, this tournament I talked about last week, and they were just kind of getting going in this tournament when I gave you a recap of the City Open that was in Washington. And this tournament had a lot of good names and had a lot of impressive, impressive runs. It's an ATP 1000 in Canada. And in the semis, we're just going to jump to the semis. It was Daniil Medvedev, John Isner, Stefano Tsitsipas, and Riley Opelka. Now, what do three out of the four of these guys have in common? Especially on a hard court, this is something very interesting. They're all very tall. I think the shortest one there is Daniil Medvedev, and he's got to be 6'4". Maybe. He's got to at least be 6'4". He might be 6'6". So for them to all be in this, it, yeah, he is 6'6". For them to all be... In the semis in an ATP 1000s in Toronto is unbelievable, I think, especially on a hard court and not even grass. So whether it plays fast there, whether the court plays quick, who knows? But I think it's amazing that all four of these guys or all three of these guys were in the final four. Now, Stefano Sitsipas was also in it, and I thought he would give Opelka a run for his money, and he absolutely did. Opelka played great tennis all week, ended up making it to the finals and beating Sitsipas. And he lost in tiebreaker first set, won in tiebreaker second set, and then won 6-4 in the third. So he faced Daniil Medvedev, who swept past John Isner 6-2, 6-2 in the semis. So it was Medvedev and Opelka, two tall dudes playing in the finals in Toronto. And this was not as close as I thought it'd be. I thought Opelka, playing really, really good tennis, would give Medvedev a little bit more of a push for his money. And he didn't necessarily do it. Now, the problem with me saying that is Daniil Medvedev plays outstanding tennis, especially in the biggest moments. So this is not a knock on Opelka. He made it all the way to this stage and this match in this tournament, and he played really well. But Daniil Medvedev, especially on a big stage, is really, really hard to beat. Now, I want to break this down a little bit for you. This is Daniil Medvedev's fourth ATP Masters 1000 title. He's won in Toronto, he's won in Cincinnati, he's won in Shanghai, and he's won in Paris. So he's won all over the world. Now, let me bring you back to 
2019. Now, I don't really count 2020 as far as a regular year, and I think a lot of people don't count 2020 as a regular year. So let's take a quick hop back to 2019 and see what Daniil Medvedev did in that year. Now, 2019, to me, was the year that Daniil Medvedev really made a name for himself, and this is why I say that. He had an incredible run up to the U.S. Open. He made the semifinals in Washington at the City Open. He made the semifinals in Toronto, where he lost to Rafael Nadal in 2019, and he also won Cincinnati that year. He won the yeah, the Masters ATP 1000 tournament in Cincinnati. And so he made a finals, he made a finals, and he, and he won a Masters 1000 on his way to going to the U.S. Open, where he lost to Rafael Nadal in the final at the U.S. Open. What else happened that year? He had a very big love affair with the fans of New York. He, in the second round or so, third round, he... You know, the fans were against him, and he said a couple things, did a couple gestures that made the fans really not like Daniil Medvedev. And by the end of the tournament, they loved him. He pushed uh, Nadal to a fifth set in the final after losing the first two sets, and he really put on a show for the crowd. He kind of got a standing ovation at the end when he said his speech, all that jazz. Daniil Medvedev made a comeback in New York City and made it up to the American fans. Fast forward, to, or fast forward a year last year, he played okay, they didn't have some of those tournaments, and he played in New York for both Cincy and the U.S. Open, no fans. Fast forward to this year, he gets to play all those tournaments. He's playing well again. He goes and wins Toronto. Now he's going to go to the U.S. Open, and there's going to be fans there. Do you see where I'm going with this? Daniil Medvedev is set up to have an incredible U.S. Open again this year, because the last time he did this, he played unbelievable, and I think this is going to be the strength of his career, is this swing at the end of July until early September. It's the last Grand Slam of the year. It's his chance to really end the year on a high note, other than the ATP Finals. That'll happen later in the year, which he won last year, by the way. But this is his last chance of the year to win a Grand Slam, and I think after a couple disappointing slams where he didn't do as well as I think he wanted to do earlier this year, Daniil Medvedev is going to be the one to watch in New York City, and he could be the only one that beats Novak Djokovic, I believe. I believe he is one of the only people that can beat Novak Djokovic on hard court right now. I think he's mentally, he can do it. I think his love affair with New York could boost him over the edge, and I don't think anybody else on tour is prepared enough right now to stop Novak Djokovic from getting a calendar Grand Slam. And yes, that includes Nadal. Yes, that includes Tsitsipas. Yes, that includes Sverev. Yes, that includes not team because I don't know if he's playing, but that includes everybody in that category. Nadal doesn't have the best foot right now. I don't know if he'll be able to really push it like he needs to against a guy like Djokovic. Daniil Medvedev, watch what he does over the next four weeks three to four weeks, and I promise you, you will be impressed, and that is my take on the matter. I could completely be wrong and not at all right, but if you look what he did in 2019 and you look how this year's gearing up to the U.S. Open, it's almost the same. It is literally almost the same, and that is why I have confidence that he could really make a massive, massive run at the U.S. Open once again this year like he did in 2019. Quick stat of the day. Daniil Medvedev is the first Russian to win the Toronto tournament since Mer Merit Safin in 2000. So 
It's been 20 years, 21 years, actually, since the Russians won that tournament. Insert Daniil Medvedev, and Russian tennis right now is on the rise. I'm done with that rant. We are going to move on to the Cincinnati tournament. Oh, last thing about Toronto. Sorry. Riley Opelka. I expect him to at least make it to the fourth round at the U.S. Open, the way he's playing right now in hardcore, and I think it's going to help that he's an American playing in an American tournament. He could very well be the best American right now. I am excited for the Americans to play in the U.S. Open. I'll get to that in a little bit. Let's jump to Cincinnati, the Western and Southern Open in Cincinnati. It is one of the most prestigious tournaments in America when it comes to leading up to the U.S. Open, obviously Indian Wells in California, but then you look at the Cincinnati tournament, and the Cincinnati tournament's been so well-known for so long that last year they actually moved it to New York City so they could have it even without fans and have it in a safe manner. Western and Southern Open going on currently right now in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's good to be back. It's good to have fans back there. I don't believe they had fans in Toronto, so I think the fans are enjoying the players, and I'd love to say that the players, especially Fabio Fognini, I saw a tweet or not a tweet, I saw a video of him, and he was like, oh, it's great to have these fans back. So moving forward, actually, this is a really good second-round match. It's going to be Daniil Medvedev, like I just talked about. He will be playing Mackenzie McDonald, who made the finals in the, at the City Open. He will be playing Mackenzie McDonald in the second round there, the American. Uh, some other big names in this. Annie Murray got a really big first win against Richard Gasquet. Uh, Pablo Carino Busta, he will play Kotfer out of Germany. That'll be a good match. Rublev is also in that side of the bracket. This could be a second round match. Rublev versus Karatsev, both Russians. That could be a really good match. Alex Damanur is playing really good tennis. He lost first set 6-0 and ends up winning 6-4, 6-4. Sorry, that's not really funny. I just think it's kind of funny because Alex Damanur can be up and down and all around. And that's exactly what that match looks like it was. He loses 0-6, 6-4, 6-4, wins the next two. Uh, Yannick Sinner, I'll mention him at the end of this episode, but he had an awesome win on Monday. He beat Delbonis. He beat him 6-2, 7-5. John Isner, he could play John Isner next round, which will be a big serve against a talented youngster. Uh, Chapo, I'm expecting him to do really well in this tournament. Casper uh, Rude could make a run in this tournament. Those are some big names. Also, Riley Opelka, who knows how he's going to do, just coming off a big, long week in Toronto. But I'm just mentioning all the names that are in this tournament. Diego Schwartzman, Fabio Fognini, Lloyd Harris, Alexander Sverev, Matteo Berrettini, Karen Hachinov, FAA, Felix Ozier, Aliasim, Tommy Paul, uh, Lorenzo Sinego, and Stefano Tsitsipas is the number two seed, and he can end up playing Sebastian Corda in the second round. I think that could be up, an upset. Don't quote me on that, but I think it could be an upset. A lot of big names in this tournament. Who do I expect to win it? I expect Daniil Medvedev to at least make it to the semis. That's a given. Um, but I think there could be someone, a sneaker pick, that could win this tournament. I don't think it's going to be uh, just a regular... Um, big name. It's an ATP 1000. I think it could be anybody from, you know, Yannick Sinner can make it to the final to Andre Rublev or, you know, Sebastian Corda can make a big run, or it could be just someone to the likes of, I'd love to see Andy Murray do something, but Pablo Carina Busta. I think it could be something like that. And I don't expect um, a lot from the big guys, just this being so close to US Open. But once again, could be wrong. Been wrong a lot. Don't think I'm wrong on this one. Guy Monfils also in this tournament. A lot to look forward to there. There's a couple things I want to get to before I wrap up this episode. I kind of went on a few rants, and I'm probably going to go on another one right about now. The U.S. Open will be without Roger Federer once again this year. Roger Federer didn't play in the tournament last year, 
and he will not play in the tournament this year. Roger Federer took to Instagram earlier this week to talk about his knee injury and how he is having another knee surgery. Now, he had knee surgeries in 2020. That's why he didn't really play in any matches, along with the pandemic and everything else that was going on. And he really geared up for the grass swing in Wimbledon this year. And the information he's told us on Instagram is that he has to go another knee surgery because he tweaked it during the grass court season and at Wimbledon. First off, I'm going to say, Roger, get better. We want to see you back on tour. And he's hoping to be back sometime in 2022. And it's going to be very unfortunate for him not to be at the U.S. Open because we're not going to see a 2020 with all three at 20 Grand Slams playing in the same tournament. What I am going to say is this is devastating news for the sport of tennis. Roger Federer, as an ambassador of the sport of tennis, Roger Federer as an ambassador for sport, Roger Federer as an athlete and as a person and as a creator. There is no one like him in the world. You could argue Michael Jordan, yes, but that's such a different sport. You could argue, you know, Wayne Gretzky. You look at Serena. You look at um, other guys, Naomi. You look at LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, some of those big, big names. But there's no one in the world like Roger Federer. There's no one in the world that does things for a sport like Roger Federer does on such a global scale. Um, and he, who's so immensely good for the game. There's people that have been really good. And like you look at people like Tiger Woods, it's a global sport. But, you know, Tiger Woods has had a few hiccups. Roger Federer has been near perfect, which is his slogan with the RF in the middle. He has been near perfect, if not perfect, for the game of tennis and for sport in general. The, what he does as a creative and bringing clothes and bringing a logo to tennis because we can't have numbers on the back of our jersey for people to buy. What he has done over the last 20 so years for the sport of tennis, he's won 20 grand slams, he's been unstoppable, and he is one of the most famous athletes in the world. And he just recently turned 40 years old, and it is starting to look like the sport of tennis is going to lose him as a fierce competitor. The sport of tennis isn't going to lose him, I don't believe, until the end of time, even after he retires, he'll still be involved at some point. But the sport of tennis looks like it's going to lose him very soon as a fierce competitor on the ATP Tour. My guess is he will be done by next December. I think he will play, try to play in another Labor Cup. I think he will try to play in another Wimbledon and maybe a U.S. Open. But I think that is it. I think that is going to be it for Roger Federer. He is undergoing all these surgeries. He can't seem to stay healthy. And I think his body is taking a little bit more time to heal, like he said at Wimbledon, than he expected. Um, the sad part is, is this knee injury might get him out of the sport of tennis, but he has a bad tournament, according to his standards, or not a great tournament according to his fan standards and he still makes the quarterfinals at Wimbledon and he makes a run at Roland Garros and he still makes all those runs despite kind of being hurt and near 40 years old. Um, I just think this announcement that he is having more problems with his knee is not a good announcement. Um, but I'm not one to count Roger Federer out. We thought he was done when he was 35, 36. He had knee problems, ended up coming back, winning a slam, 
and is still playing great at his age and keep his tennis level up. But this news doesn't leave me incredibly optimistic for Roger Federer's future on the ATP tour. Unfortunately, I would love to see him play for another three years. I'd love to. I just don't know if it's feasible. And I don't know if him taking a whole year off last year and the pandemic and everything has shifted his focus, maybe not only to getting back, but just to his family. I mean, his kids are getting older, um, all that stuff. He doesn't need the money anymore. He's got 20 grand slams under his belt. He's given everything to the game. There wouldn't be a better time, honestly, to step away than at a Wimbledon, whether that be next year or the year after that. But I don't know how long he can keep rehabbing for eight months to play one tournament. That's all I'm saying about it. Unfortunately for tennis, he will not be at the U.S. Open. We won't get a 2020-2020 Grand Slam at the U.S. Open. But I think the whole world of tennis knows, especially players and fans, that the sport is better when Roger Federer is playing on tour. It is just unfortunate that these knee injuries are keeping him off tour for so long. I don't want to end on a sad note. I want to end on a happy note. Hopefully, Roger Federer gets better. Yannick Sinner turned 20 years old, can't even drink in the U.S., and he's still more successful than 90% of the people his age. Diego Schwartzman turned 29. I didn't know he was that old. He's still playing great tennis. And happy birthday to those two. They turned 20 and 29 this week. Yannick Sinner, a good week ahead of him, I believe, in Cincinnati and at the Western and Southern Open. Next week, we'll recap the Western and Southern Open. We will also get ready for Winston-Salem. And we are so darn close, so damn close to the U.S. Open in New York City. This is my favorite time of year. This is my favorite topic to talk about. And I cannot wait till they take the court in New York City at the USTA Billie Jean King National Tennis Center. I will have all the recap. I will have all the preview. I will have all the coverage of everything happening in New York. Tweet at me at Jacob Sersosimo. Tweet at Believe Podcast at Believe Podcast. And we'd love to hear from you. Keep an eye on that guy, Medvedev, this week at the Western and Southern Open. Keep an eye on him for the next month. And keep an eye on tennis. There's a lot to come. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.